I know it seems like many years that anytime you wanted to go out for a dinner, whether it be a special occasion or, or just a casual dinner, you went to Gray's Restaurant in Bridgeport. Well, there's a reason for that. In September, they will celebrate their 75th anniversary of the family-owned business right here in our hometown. I remember when many people just called it Ralph's, and it was a tiny place with the best catfish around. I spent many an evening in my childhood walking on that pole out in front, waiting with my family to get a table. When Todd and Becky took over, the restaurant expanded, but one thing hasn't changed. Whether it's a great cheeseburger, steak, or catfish you want, or you just want to have a drink and discuss that night's Saluki game, you're not going to find any better place to do it. Support this local treasure. Stop by and help them celebrate their upcoming anniversary. And remember, you can always call in and pick up your order at the window. Call 618-945-9501, Gray's Restaurant. Hey, how would you like to let the guys here at the Old School Red Hill Podcast help you promote your business? We get about 800 local listeners for every episode, and we plan on doing at least two, maybe more than that, each and every month going forward. Your business is important, and so are your customers. So go where they are. The Old School Red Hill Podcast. Drop me a line at oldschoolredhill at gmail.com. One word, oldschoolredhill at gmail.com. Or give Brian a call at 812-363-3138, and we can discuss how we can promote your business on the Old School Red Hill Saluki Sports Podcast. Well, I think we can go home. Evidently, we're going to try and bring everybody with us on the old school Red Hill Saluki Sports Podcast. Say hello to my friends. I'm Brian Emmons. Got the whole gang with us tonight. Chip Jamerson. Hey, Brian. Mr. David King. Hey, how's it going? And making his return to the show. He fit us in his busy, busy schedule, Mr. Gary Emmons. Hello, everybody. <laughs> well, we've got, uh, I think we've got a good show for everybody tonight. Good show. What was it now? Three weeks ago with uh, the Red Hill to Greenville Connection. What kind of feedback did you guys get um, having Matt and, uh, and Cameron Vinsel on uh, to discuss their days at Red Hill and then also at Greenville College? You know, guys that play basketball with him um, in high, you know, with him in high school. When they're in my class, I've talked to them and, you know, they, they really enjoyed it going down strolling down memory lane and then and then hearing you know a lot of guy a lot of you know didn't know that much about his knew he played at greenville but didn't really know that much about it so just kind of learning a little bit of that end of things yeah i thought was i thought was good yeah and i had a lot of people um or some people contacted me and or i you know message and so forth that they really liked that there's, we had some of our listeners that knew a lot about Cameron's career, but weren't really followed or weren't even born when Matt was playing. And then we had a lot of people that followed Red Hill a lot back in the 80s and 90s that really didn't follow Cameron's career much. So I think it was, they really enjoyed getting to see, um, you know, hear about both their careers and an era that maybe they weren't familiar with. And a lot of our listeners, of course, um, have watched both of them play. 
um, quite a bit. And yeah, I, I, I well. was so I, great I, feedback. I, I was shocked, even though we had, we had talked to Cameron, it was still shocking how young he was. I, 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 it was just what he said, what year he played like, wow, that, that is, uh, that is a little newer than what I thought, but he, what a how great, what a great or kid. How, or how old we are. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. A little bit of both. What a great kid. He was fun to have on. He was excited to be yeah. on and, and really would love to go, to go watch him play. And, you know, I, that story with Matt, and we talked about it afterwards with that story with Matt and his, his year spending at VU well, first of all, playing one year, really, one year varsity basketball, taking a year off and, and helping, obviously, Gary's team was amazing, that practice. And he, he, you know, that gap year, he used it to get better and then goes to Greenville and, and has a great career. What an interesting story Matt had. And just listening to the show, since I didn't participate in the recording of it, you just tell how good of a guy Matt McCullough is. He's just a genuine, nice guy, and he's always been that way. I probably hadn't heard his voice in 20 yeah. years or so, probably. And, you know, then Cameron, obviously, is a pretty darn good kid himself. So it was a, it was a, it was a good listen. Yeah, a lot of, lot of good feedback. And um, and we appreciate your feedback on the show. And, and if you're listening, whether it's on Podbean or Apple or Google, if, if you could hit the subscribe button, that will help us going forward when we work with advertisers and we can show how many people – you know, have subscribed, not only downloaded, um, and and uh, give us a five star rating if you think it's warranted. That that helps us out too. And and uh, we we're off to such a good start. We're we're averaging somewhere right around eight hundred downloads a week, and that is holding consistent. And and it's actually trending up a little bit. So thank you for everybody for listening. I hope we're 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 doing what this intended to, and it sure seems like it. Um, and that kind of brings us to this week. We, we, we've got this worked out and we've had some changes to what we're going to do. And, and, and this is the first example of that. Um, we, we had started chip and, and Gary and Dave had, had found newspapers.com and we got access to every Vincent Sun commercial ever, which kind of started leading us down a path. And then I called Bill Richardson at the daily record and said, Bill, is there any way we could get daily records? And he said, actually, yes. So first and foremost, we want to to give a mighty, mighty thanks to Mr. Dick Poppy of Lawrenceville. When when Dick passed, he left a gift to the to the library, and they put all the daily records back to the 1800s on online. And what that has allowed us to do now is to really be able to deep dive and dig into to specific time periods and help us with a framework of how to do a show. So then then. Gary and Chip and, and Dave came up with the idea, well, instead of in weeks where, you know, maybe we can't get everybody together with a guest and, and you know, sometimes that can be kind of hard to to coordinate. Chip, do you want to kind of explain our format tonight, what we're doing and, and what we can do going forward? Yes, yeah, so our format tonight. So we'll do this on the weeks where we don't have a guest. So we'll still have plenty of guests. We have lots of ideas. We have pages and pages of ideas for guests. So this podcast is going for for quite a while, but we're not going to have a guest every week. So what we're going to do this week and in set, you know, and in many of our off weeks is we're going to just dive into one school year or sports year and look at all the seasons. So tonight we're starting with night, the 1982, 83 uh, sports year and school year. Yep. Uh, so we'll start in August of 82 and we'll go until we'll actually actually go through the summer until July of 83. Right. So we'll yep. take you 12 months through the sports and not just sports. We're going to look at um, pop culture, movies, music, 
television, politics, and, you know, different things that were happening in 82 and 83. So uh, that will be the format we use tonight. And there won't be a, like next time, it may not be 83, 84. It might be 74, 75, or it might be 99, 2000. I know someone's going to ask the question, and and how did we decide on 82, 83? I I think I threw it out 84 just because I love 1984 music. I think I... threw that out and then we started talking about some things that were more like 83 so we just well we've got a lot to talk about and i'm interested to see how long this is going because i i will tell you i'm in charge i was in charge of spring sports um sometimes some of the least publicized probably the not probably definitely the season gets the you know least amount of fans least amount of publicity and I've got about 27 things to talk about in those three months. So I don't know. This, now I'm probably going to skip some of them. So I don't know how long this podcast is going to last. This, 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 so. might, this might be a Coach Evans-style show where you have to break <laughs> it up into chunks while, while you commute to work. But, uh, hey, well, let's get going with this. Let's take a quick break and uh, listen to our sponsor from uh, from the uh, People's Bank, and then we'll come right back with uh, the, the fall of 1982. Another proud sponsor of the Old School Red Hill Saluki Sports Podcast is People State Bank, who's been serving Lawrence County with four locations since 2011. See them in Bridgeport, Sumner, St. Francisville, and Lawrenceville. If you need another reason to let these fine folks handle your banking needs, well, their president is former athlete for the Saluki, Stacy Moore. So go see Stacy and the whole staff at all those locations and let them handle all of your banking needs. Support this great sponsor, People State Bank. All right, and we're back. We are ready to go. Mr. David King drew the straw on the fall of 82. So, Dave, take us where take us where the the 1982 school year got started. So I've basically, I'm going to focus on the 1982 football season, which happened to be coach, coach Evans's first year at Red Hill, um, going through these, uh, going through these write-ups and box scores, very familiar, uh, to, to my high school. (laughs) (laughs) We'll, we'll, we'll see this same story later is what you're saying. (laughs) A, A young team, um, you know, had, had their, obviously had their struggles, Showed some, you know, showed some, showed improvement throughout the season, but you know, didn't had uh, didn't have much luck, which uh, unfortunately rings a little too familiar. But yeah, uh, and and coach, like you said, coach Evans's first year in. Sure. I'm going by the uh, the '83 Barker football coaches was uh, Coach Evans, Mike Ray, and Jeff Lynn, um, heading the charge on the football field. But uh, one thing that surprised me, and especially, I guess, I'm just so used to things starting a little. S- earlier now um the season did not start until uh, september 13th of 82 um and you know then it ran into the second week of november so i mean that's a good yeah that's a good two weeks later than uh than what we have now but uh, we uh we drew fairfield um fairfield was basically about a preseason uh preseason pick to win the nec um it was a tough game and they uh the the article reads mules defense tough runners fast but the, <laughs> but the salukis didn't quit well um, that's good 
but uh, we we uh, succumbed 39, 39 to zip. Um, you know, pretty pretty rough game, but um, you know it, it was what it was. But at Jimmy Medlin at uh, at quarterback, um, it's like Todd Todd Polk and uh, Ray Pink were both uh, heavily inv- yeah, heavily involved in the offense. But uh, obviously, there wasn't <laughs> there wasn't yeah. much uh, wasn't much happening. Uh, Fairfield outrushed us 243 to 40 on the ground. Mm. Um, well, um, and one thing I remember going through that season is is their running their running game would get better. Um, Deb Parrott had come come out for football for what I believe is the first time yeah. since junior yeah, league. First, yeah, it's and, yeah, first year definitely. And and ran the ball. Captains on that team are Steve Schofstall, Ray Pank, and Scott Mills are the captains. And uh, but like you said, rough start against a really good Fairfield team to get the season going. In the article, the preseason article, it made mention that Tony Worth is a freshman, maybe yeah. starting running back. I'm not sure if he got any carries that game. I'm not, uh, I'm not sure when this, Deb took over. We don't uh, – didn't really show up in the box score here. It's not a it's not a proper box score. Tough tough way to start for for a brand-new coach and, and, uh, and a, lot of, a lot of new players and, and – but – you know, the, Bill. Bill was happy in in our interview with him. You can see in the archives. Bill was happy with the way things were shaping up. They just didn't have many players. Also, this week, uh, number one song in the country, um, song I always so, song I always like, uh, Chicago. Hard to say. I'm sorry. Well, that was really loud. <laughs> Also at the uh, Plaza Cinema in Vincennes, uh, we had, uh, which was, had to be the big hit of the fall, um, an officer and a gentleman. Oh, wow. And uh, Kenny Rogers in six pack. <laughs> it's in Six pack's a great movie. Yeah, if anybody has, you haven't seen that for. I think I saw it as a, I think I saw it as a kid. It's, it's <laughs> incredible, and the and the theme song from the movie is great too. Um, Love will turn you, Love will turn you around. Oh yeah, song. yeah, I remember that song. I didn't have Brian cue that up ahead of time. I should have, but um, you know, we're and just kind of set the stage. We're we're a year and a half into the Reagan era. A um, lot of lot of uh big things happening overseas in the middle east which you know obviously doesn't change much there's always stuff going on over there but but uh we're we're right in the middle of or at the beginning of of that that whole reagan era but uh we'll move on week two um did not get any easier for the salukis unfortunately uh as they run killer, into another killer schedule another uh another preseason uh conference favorites um say the salem wildcats which that was always our traditional week two uh opponent it seemed like and yeah. it seemed like a very uh, familiar result as they uh unfortunately uh took it took it to us pretty good 40 45 to zero there were some uh, comments from the play one of the, one of the in the article there is a comment from the player that fairfield um is probably the better team between the two. Oh, really? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if that caused any uh, any controversy at the time or not. But um, not. I'm much. surprised Fairfield was so. Like I yeah. didn't remember Fairfield yeah. being this great. I mean, I know only Mount Carmel were really good then in Salem, but I I forgot about Fairfield being this powerhouse in '82. Mount well, Carmel coming off a state championship. <laughs> yeah. Coach Evans again. He was he he complimented the players. He said it was a tough game, but we didn't quit and we're improving each game. You know, it just hadn't. Just you know, just hadn't happened yet. Yeah. Uh-oh. Um, as far as number one songs for the week, uh, 
going with Chicago once again. It holds on to its number one hard, spot. Hard to say I'm sorry um, <laughs> with a skyrocket to the top. And then uh, no changes at the set Plaza Cinema, except there is one nightly showing in Cinema 2 of Night Shift um, oh. instead of uh, instead of Six Pack. So Night Shift was a great early HBO movie. Other news that week, um, looks like the the uh, the NFL season has kicked off now. Um, the Cardinals sweep the Mets in a five-game series to go. They had a one-and-a-half game lead in the National League East um, ahead of the Philadelphia Phillies, um, swept the Mets, and ended, ended the weekend with a four-and-a-half game lead, um, you know, as we're, head, as we're heading, down to, heading down the stretch. <laughs> Some people will like that. Some people. <laughs> <laughs> three, three people on here on this. I was going to say, let them start their own podcast. <laughs> Hold on, I think I was a Cardinal fan then, so maybe I do like yeah. it. I don't know. I'm confused. <laughs> How this went, like the the kickoff of the of the Cardinals article. And of course, the Mets were not very good yet, um, just on the cusp of becoming good. But um, but basically kind of dismissing like playing the New York Mets in a pennant race is as refreshing as a cold swim on a hot summer day. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't think they'd be saying that in three years, in yeah, three years for three, sure. two, three years time. But <laughs> um, in, in 82, it's still rang true. Week three, Mount Carmel. Here we go. <laughs> always, always a tough one. <laughs> always a tough one. Uh, not, uh, not any, not any different. Uh, 37, 37 to nothing would be our final score. Um, luck. We did move the ball a little bit better. Had 98 yards of total offense. Uh, had 74 passing yards. Um, so that's an improvement. You know, that's quite an improvement over the week before. Jimmy, uh, Jimmy's still the quarterback here. Yes, Jimmy is still the quarterback here. Yeah. I did see in the article. I was looking at some of the some of the things, and this is the right before the two players from Mount Carmel passed away in the car accident. Yes, so, yeah, I think, oh, I think yeah. that happened that same uh, same week, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So in the Vincent Sun commercial, they were talking about you know yeah. the principal or the superintendent was talking about the decision to forfeit or not forfeit, and I think the parents of the of both yeah. both kids said you know we they would have wanted to play, so they. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. they came in the game with heavy hearts for sure. Oh yeah, game was in yeah. Game was played in memory of Marvin Matchett and Mark Treadway. Mm. Uh, they were killed midweek the, wow. uh, the week before the game. You know, the week of the game in the, in an automobile crash. So yeah, very very sad there. Yeah. We're looking for insurance. We hope that you would call the Andrews Insurance Agency at five forty two Main Street in Bridgeport. Terry Andrews and Justin Shear are your independent agents and they're professionals for all of your farm, commercial, and personal insurance needs. And they've been strong supporters of Red Hill Athletics for decades. So if you're brought down by a pack of dogs, get off your seats and on your feet and see T-Bone or Juice and give them a call at 618-945-2881 at the Andrews Insurance Agency. Um, also at the Vincennes Plaza, uh, we have two new movies. Uh, yes. The movie called Garp. Never heard of it. <laughs> was that the to- world according? Yeah, right. Yeah, well, okay. Well, yeah, I see that. World according to Garb. Never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, Robin Williams, right? Yeah, Robin Williams. I, if I remember right, that was a terrible movie. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Somebody, that must If someone likes that movie, send us a message then, because uh, I don't think it was any good. <laughs> and then uh, Amityville to the possession in uh, cinema in cinema two. Must, um, must be one song. Number one song with the for the week. We've got a new one. 
uh, a little abracadabra. Oh, Steve, Steve Miller. Steve Miller. Man. Joey Lyles actually brought this record to fourth grade music class, and uh, Mrs. Roberts let us let us dance to it and oh, wow. played it oh. for us. So that's my uh, memory of Abracadabra. <laughs> World according to GARP, uh, seven point two on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry, that's the IMDb rating. So that's not bad. I I was just watching a clip probably a week ago. I don't think there was, in my opinion, a better late night talk show guest than Robin Williams, like on Johnny Carson. Or Agreed. It, Agreed. It, for yeah, for you younger listeners, just go on YouTube and watch some. I mean, he's hilarious. I mean, he just, <laughs> it, it just uh, they just basically let him go for 20 minutes, whatever it comes to his <laughs> yeah. mind. It's, it's hilarious. World According to Garp had a $17 million budget. Uh, opening weekend did two, $2.9 and worldwide gross after it was all said and done was $29,712,000. So... Yeah, not a bad run. I will, I will, tr- I'll, I'll transition that that into the into the next week. Um, the world of Garp is no longer playing at the Vince. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's replaced uh, by the Incubus. Okay, which again, another one I've uh, never heard of. Uh, yeah. Amityville, Amityville Two uh, retains its spot in Cinema Two. All right. Um, but uh, we head into uh, Week Four, our traditional Week Four. Uh, opponent was uh the carmine bulldogs little bit um we gave up a few more points in this game but we did get on the board we scored uh we did score 14 points looks like a looks like that has to be a deb parrot rushing touchdown oh they confused me here they put a at the half at the half we had 20 so at the half it was 28 to 6 final score 55 to 14 uh, we scored. Uh, we scored six points in the uh, first half. Scored a uh, scored six points plus a two point conversion in the fourth quarter. So fifty five to fourteen. Right. But he's still at quarterback. He was eight for nineteen through two touchdown passes. Both touchdown passes were to Raymond Pink. Good. Dead Parrot breaks into Brock score. Uh, three uh, three receptions for eighty three yards. All right. And, and uh, Pat Seed, one of my. Uh, one of my heroes uh, growing up uh, watching playing basketball um, when I was in when I was in grade school, uh, he gets 12 carries uh, for 32 yards. So baseball season is over. Uh, we're just getting ready to start the playoffs this week. Um, brings back memories, uh, brings back memories for a third year, three, a third grade David King um, who pulled off one of the almost pulled off one of the great uh, playing hooky stories. Um, playing sick from school, so, so he could stay home on a Tuesday afternoon and watch the uh, watch Game One of the uh, NLCS against Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> I had it. I had it. I had it all teed up. I stayed in bed all morning. I got up. It was a new. It was a one o'clock game. Um, Mr. Rice at the at the high, with my mom teaching at the high school came up to my mom at the lunch hour and asked, "Hey." Is David excited about the ball game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, matter of fact, I think he might be. And so she calls home to my uh, to my grandma, who said, who asked how I was doing. And said, "Well, he, he didn't do much all morning, but now he's uh, starting. Now he's up. He's moving around, and he just sat down. He's going to watch some TV." <laughs> so did Nancy say, "Oh no, he's not," or did you get to watch and, the game? And uh, all of a sudden, uh, I was uh, I was taking the school right away. Ouch. So, <laughs> 
but the uh, the game the the uh, the game was uh, postponed by rain, so no, so oh, no harm, yeah. so no harm done. So homecoming week, at are playing the uh, Edwards County Lions. Um, this game was a little more competitive, um, which you you might you might expect. By, you know, we're we're playing a school more of our size at this point, so. Um, um, unfortunately, we still we still dropped the game, uh, the twenty to eight. Um, but still, we are you know making making some progress. We had a big switch to, uh, to of quarterbacks this week. Uh, Jimmy Med Jimmy Medlin moves the halfback. Ray Pink moves the quarterback. Um, do any of you guys know my what might have brought the switch on? I any 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 memories? From no, that time? I, I don't. But if I'm going to guess, Jimmy was pretty tough, and I would say they with with not getting a lot of rushing yards, they probably wanted to get get the ball in his hands a little more and and let him try to have some run. And 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 okay. Ray was pretty tall, so maybe you know if they did try to want to pass a little bit, he could he could look over the line and get it out. But I'd say just to, trying to get and with Jimmy and 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 Deb running the ball back there, that not a bad backfield. Right, and we uh, we jumped up to 103, uh, 173 uh, yards of total offense. Well, there you go. Uh, the, t- the 254 for Edwards County. So we we had we had that, and um, Pink did have some tough luck. Um, he was only seven of 27 for 36 yards through the air. Um, most of our most of our uh, most of our yards coming on the ground. So maybe I answered my own question. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's why we that's why we made the switch here. Find anything? So. Yeah, I, I would say just trying to get the ball in Jimmy's hands and get some more yards and and give uh, give Deb a little more room with some blocking back there. But looking yeah. at the homecoming, um, looks like, and this was right in my wheelhouse now as an eighth grader. You know, looking at these pictures, but uh, you've got Deb Parrott um, escorting Maria Price, homecoming queen. Yeah, yeah, that year. But hey, I I did want to say one thing, Dave, real quick. We were talking a lot about that switch. Um, Ray Pink and Jimmy Medlin no longer with us, so uh, I know that they are sorely missed both uh, by people around Bridgeport and uh, definitely Red Hill sports fans. As as we talk about those guys, both really really good guys um, and and good athletes and competitors. So um, just wanted to mention that 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 they are sorely missed. Yeah, same with uh, Todd Polk as well. Uh, That's right. He starts to get yeah. he starts to get more uh, he starts to get a little more action at running back through uh, as, as the season progresses. So um, same with uh, same with him passing away. Um, it's been too long ago now. Yep. But, uh, but uh, so yeah, so Red Hill uh, Red Hill drops to zero and five. Homecoming game spoiled. Um, and a little bit in a little bit happier news. Uh, St. Louis completes their. Uh, Completes their NLCS sweep of Atlanta is heading yeah. to the World Series. Walking um, <laughs> in Andujar, my all-time favorite Cardinal, uh, leads the uh, or all-time favorite Cardinals pitcher, I should say, uh, leads the uh, leads the Cardinals to a uh, to an easy six to two win in the in the finale. Uh, Bruce Suter knocks down a uh, two and one third inning save um, to close things out. Uh, Willie McGee goes two for three from the plate, or uh, two for five with three runs, uh, three runs batted in from the plate. We're heading to the World Series against Milwaukee. There you go. Which is funny now to think that they played Milwaukee in the World Series. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so what's next? We are uh, we've got the uh, only Tigers uh, this week. It's not a. Uh, this was the one that surprised me. Uh, I doubt I doubt the game was as close as the uh, score indicated, but thirty six to eighteen. 
Um, yeah, and Dave, this was one of the better, all, maybe the best only team at, in school history. It's one of right. my. They were eight and one regular season. Probably Mount Carmel was their only loss, I would assume. And um, and there was one year they beat Mount Carmel. I think so. Maybe this was the year. I'm not sure, but uh, what you said was 36 to 18. 36 to 18. To, yeah. To me, this is the turning point right here. Yes. I mean, you're being, you're going against a team that I, they you know that only had one loss. I don't know if they've lost yet this year, mm-hmm. but uh, and then whether it was I don't know if the points were scored late or not. It was close. It was not as close as it looks. But when you don't have a win and you go and put 18 against Olney, that's got to give the, the kids some confidence. Uh, Medlin also led the uh, led the defense, which I. He was a starter. Was he starting linebacker? Yeah, he, I'm sound. sure he was probably That's in the sound. middle. He was just a stud. Sounds right. Um, Deb Parrott with uh, two sacks along with four solo tackles. Nice. So uh, this was know. senior night at Red Hills. It's <laughs> all so in the uh, in the article after the game. Coach Evans had commented that he finally has the right players in the right position. So okay. I think in, in terms of it being a turning point game, I'm sure that yeah. was. Uh, that was probably a, a big one for everybody. Trying to get to know. So everybody. yeah, senior senior night, senior football players are uh, she, Steve Shoffstall. Shoffstall, yep, you got it. Yeah, pr- pronunciation: uh, Deb Parrot, Doug Cruel, Mike Blackwell, Scott Mills, and Ray Pink. Okay. Senior cheerleaders honored were Darcy Dillard and Christy Bennett. Again, blast from the past there. When I think about being a young eighth grader, this was uh, these were people that I looked up to an awful lot. So and, we're in and a Dar- and Darcy, another uh, another person in that class from '83 that passed away, uh, way oh, too young. So they that's right. The '83 class has been hit with quite a bit of tragedy yeah. um, since since graduating. Mm. We also have a new uh, number one song. Little ditty about Jack and Diane, two American kids growing up in the heartland. And this is gonna. This is gonna this, this is gonna stay a theme for uh, for a while too because it's uh, it's gonna put a stranglehold in the number one spot in the uh, on the charts. That I, I think um, that turned I think that hit number one on my birthday October second. I always remember I, listening to Casey Kasem that day. Um, Benson's Plaza completely turns over their lineup. Um, we got the we got the Beastmaster um, <laughs> in Cinema One, <laughs> and then a movie called. In, inch on, inch on, I N C H O N. I don't know that one. <laughs> that one never, got, never heard of that no, one either. Never but heard more of importantly, in, C, in Cinema Two, um, uh, just just nightly showings. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. All right, oh. I've got great, a good. I got a good story. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I was uh, <laughs> was staying all night with Hype Baldwin, and we had seen. I don't even know if we'd seen a commercial trailer or whatever. Probably not. We probably just saw the poster. And we talked his mom and dad into taking us and dropping us off, and we watched it. And then we went to my house, and my mom was going to Vincent's the next day. We talked her into dropping us off, and we went to see it two <laughs> days in a row. It looks like Inchon is uh, during the Korean War, General Douglas MacArthur masterminds the amphibious invasion of Inchon in September of 1960. So I've never uh, any any big names in that. Let's see. It was well. I don't know. Do you call Lawrence Olivier a big name? <laughs> yeah, I do. Jacqueline Bissett. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know what Olivier played General MacArthur. Yeah, two point five out of ten rating uh, on IMDb. Ooh. So Ugh. 
we'll, we'll see we'll see if it uh, sticks <laughs> i have a feeling the way week, the way so. the old plaza will t- not afraid to turn them over i have a feeling it's yeah. not going to not going to last long had a 46 million dollar budget and op- wow. <laughs> opened up at 2.3 and finished up worldwide at 5.2 million oh, on a 46 wow. million dollar budget so <laughs> I think we can uh, might answer our question. The, uh, might might be why none of us had ever heard of it, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. What's up, Dave? But anyway, after uh, so after this week, uh, we're six weeks in now. Um, Red Hills, zero and five in conference, over zero and six overall. Hey, to follow up uh, real quick on how uh, we made the quarterback switch, looks like Jimmy Medlin was out for a game, and Coach Evans said he had to find someone to play quarterback, so he moved Ray to. Rated quarterback, so Jimmy was okay. out. That's how we made the move. Okay, that explains that then. So. Bill Evans reaching into his bag of tricks again. <laughs> All right, so now we're we're heading into week seven, uh, going against Flora, which according to the standings, maybe you know might in it was a closer game. I should it's we there was worse games. We we racked up some yardage on the ground and in the air, but uh, ultimately we succumbed to the Flora Wolves. Twenty. They were they hadn't won yet going into that game, right? Yeah, they were zero and six. You know something I was going to say earlier while Dave's looking at that. You know you got a first year coach, Bill Evans coming in, and he has two of the most calm guys in the world as his assistants, uh, Mike <laughs> Ray and Jeff Lynn. I'm sure Mike Ray sporting one hell of a mustache at this point in the, his career. I'm sure he's very happy with the Reagan administration. Everything's going good for Mike right now. <laughs> now uh, one uh, one interesting tidbit about this game total of 11 turnovers oh wow um, doesn't say anything about weather yeah uh, so something happened yeah. that's i guess that's what happens when you get two uh two inexperienced teams playing each other but uh uh pink still a quarterback uh six of 23 for 70 yards uh pat seed with 52 of those yards um pat you know what pat Let's see, this would have been his, what, sophomore year. So I was going to say, well, he, had a, he, he had a nice, you know, I guess I do. People think probably him more of a, of a basketball player. Pat had a nice, nice football career at Red Hill. He's, you know. In this, uh, in this article, here's the quote. It was a night of, it was a night for pass interceptions, fumbles, block punts, name calling, 203 <laughs> yards of penalties, and a fist fight. Oh, wow. Well, that sounds Jimmy, ex- Medlin, Jimmy Medlin was kicked out of the game in the first quarter when he and uh, Mike yes. Milner from Florida got into it. You know that yep. had been brewing yep. for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy wasn't going to take anything off anybody. I'll tell you that. So uh, we're, heading into, we're heading into election season. We have a uh, Eddie Ryan for share, uh, Democratic candidate for sheriff. I'll pick him. In the, uh, in the, uh, yeah, I'll, 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 I think he's going to take it. Um, um, also, our, um, our movie Inchon uh, is doesn't gone. make it to the week two. Yeah. I don't uh, think it Halloween, made it anywhere. Halloween three, the seasons of the witch, um, makes it into cinema one. Fast times at Ridgemont High uh, moves in the sole possession of uh, cinema two. So that's a that's a solid um, two films right there. Plus. Yes, yes. So things are uh, things are so winding got, down. So we for, got two uh, games left. Yeah. We win. We win one of these games, don't we? Like, don't we have a win coming like pretty soon? Or are we zero uh, nine that yeah. year? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was thinking one of I love. I love. Uh. I love Chip and. I love Chip Sorry, and the Chip. old school. The old school annals trying to rewrite history, but that did not happen. But uh, we had two oblong uh, for week eight. Close game. Fourteen to seven oblong. Uh, we got some. Uh, we're moving the ball well. 
Looks like Jimmy had a really good game. 83 yards on 21 carries. So, so oh, that's, a, that's that a solid game. game. Well, he was rested after getting kicked out of that last one. <laughs> and then uh, Deb Parrott, uh, 54 yards on 14 carries. Close game. Um, just unfortunately, we uh, fell just a little bit short again. Well, oh, and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll throw this tidbit in there. Uh, Red Hill Junior High School, a blind draw, eighth grade basketball tourney. Um, Which we'll be doing a whole show on the Red Hill Round Robin <laughs> tourney. I mean, at some point, there'll be a whole show yeah. dedicated to it. This would have been, let's see. This was my yeah. This was the Tim Locum forty four point forty four yes. rebound tournament. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I just wanted to, I just wanted to I just wanted to you know we'll go into more detail on this later on. But uh, our ho our, uh, our one of our hosts Brian Emmons uh, puts up a LeBron James type uh, box score against Cisney. Sixteen points, eight rebounds, four steals. Oh. No mention of a sit. No mention of a sit. Oh, go on. <laughs> no, really, go on. Keep going. <laughs> Keep, I don't. Uh, yeah, when, when we get to the eighty-five, eighty-six show, I'll get into another huge Brian Emmons stat line, and I and there's assists in that one, and there's a lot of them, well, there's so, uh, a lot of points too. Um, but yeah, that'll be on the eighty-five, eighty-six show. We ne we need to talk about those all we can because there's not too many highlights. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you you were the Red Hills lady scorer with twenty-six. Well, I would add more if Shannon or Height would pass me the ball more. <laughs> So then we head into to the big week, big rivalry week against Lawrenceville. Pretty well know how this is going to end, unfortunately. But yeah, Chip gave that away. <laughs> but actually, <laughs> uh, thirty-five to twelve, final score for Lawrenceville. Respectable. A tough season. Um, hopefully, you know. But you know, lots of good experience. Again, it's only Evans's first season. So yeah. So, it, so this is an zero and nine season. So yes. and we're we're. We're ten months away from a banner being across Judy Avenue that says we're contenders, not pretenders. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah. 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 And if you go back you know, in the archives and listen scored. and listen to the Coach Evans interview, he'll he talks he goes in depth into the season, how he came to Red Hill, kind of what this season was like when he started. And this is a this is a year of big change for Red Hill. So go back and listen to that if you hadn't, because uh, a lot of good things happened despite the the O and nine record um, for the Salukis. So, um, Dave, you got anything else to kind of wrap up the fall of 82? That's what I have. And, uh, we'll transition into, uh, in the basketball season, in the basketball season and winter sports season. All right. Well, my, my favorite time, my favorite time of year, good time of year. Thanks Dave for the, the recap of the fall and, and, and everything that was going on for the Slukies there. And, and, uh, Gary is going to take us through the uh, the fall and the winter of 82-83. I think as we were talking about how we chose this year, I think I found a few articles from uh, the 82-83 basketball season that uh, really piqued my interest and probably yours. Uh, for a season where Red Hill finished 6-19 and and only 2-12 and in the NEC, it was a year full of uh, excitement, controversy, all kinds of great things. And one of the things I noticed about this, looking at the team picture uh, from the uh, intro to the season and then comparing that to the team picture at the end of the season, it was quite different by the time you got to the got to the end of that. Yeah. Um, some of the things that, that I thought was interesting is that from the article in the uh, from the Daily Record, uh, the, the title says Red Hill optimistic about the 82-83 basketball season. And, 
And uh, I thought it was funny in the, in the article, it says, uh, Coach Ray says the team has not really been blessed with height. Two years ago, our junior varsity won just five games. Last year's only won, only won uh, five also. So do not, so do not expect us to win that. So don't expect <laughs> us to win that many games this year. So, I mean, it's kind of let off that uh, maybe uh, things weren't looking great. Maybe there wasn't much optimism going into that season. And, you know, and, uh, interestingly, if you look in the 83 Barker, they do not list the schedule and scores from that season. That's interesting for sure. Yeah. Um, looking at that that team picture, you know, some of the – you know, you had Coach Mike Gray and he had his assistant, uh, Coach Evans. They reversed roles. Um, in the team picture, I think, maybe for the first time, I'm sure a lot of us do remember this, but seeing the uh, the the actual Saluki dog, the real animal, being oh, yeah. let out by Jimmy, and that was always a cool thing for us, especially for the young people, to see like a real Saluki dog being – And that was, was Russ, Russell, Russell Adams. Adams yeah, that was Russell right? and Connie's dog, yeah. yeah. So looking at, of course, just uh, at the beginning of the year, some of the, the players that would have, uh, you know, of course, had playing time and, uh, and also – uh, were some of the upper class from the team. You had uh, Mike Ash, David Gray, Rick Hussey. You had Ray Pink, Todd Parrott, and Todd Bushy. Doug Grismer and uh, Bobby Lydas, Jimmy Medlin, Dan Pink, Gary Skaggs, Sean Grismer, and Brian Hicks uh, was the team uh, coming out of the season to start. Uh, and, and at that time, Red Hill hosted its own Thanksgiving tournament to lead off the year. And, uh, you know, I think that was a a time when I think we had won this tournament either the year before or the year after, I can't remember, but they, we did uh, not win it this year, came out 2-0 and to start the season, which I'm sure had some obviously excitement for the team and then lost to a pretty strong Edwards County team, 51-38, and that was a round-robin tournament too. So you had that was obviously became the championship game, the last final game, and Edwards County did, did get us uh, uh, during that time. Um, you know, some of the things and some of the uh, the music for that time, I may do mine a little different since basketball is such a long season, but we'll kind of sprinkle some of these in. But And I kind of looked at starting around the, the early part of January and uh, leading off the year of uh, the number one song in the country on the billboard was uh, Man Eater by Hall & Oates. some of the some of the different songs for that time time frame and uh and some of the other uh, current events and, the, and during that time and some of the one of the other things that tootsie came out during in january of that year and i think in a, made like 136 million bucks at that time was such a huge mo- huge movie and <laughs> yeah. the outsiders came out in march of that year what a great that movie that was what a great movie that was just a, a classic movie um fraggle rock Debuted for the first time on HBO and uh, wow. in there in early early '83. Mash's final episode was something that is still to this day is the most watched television show of all time, I believe. 106 million people tuned in on February 28th of uh, 1983 to watch the final episode of Mash. The Atari debuted in, uh, in, in 1983, which of course spent many of hour playing Atari. Uh, Super Challenge Baseball, playing Decathlon. Is this a, fa- a fancier Atari? This, I think this, I'm not sure. I think that was the basic Maybe one, the I believe. 5200? I was going to yeah, say that, because I, so, yeah. I got the 2600 for Christmas of 82. So, but that was the, that was a real basic game. There was I didn't even know they had numbers. 
Yeah, I never, I've like, never played a 5200 before. 26 is as far as yeah, I went. Yeah, yeah. Some of the things to kind of set us back in that time. Uh, I know Maker's Mark sometimes sponsors a couple of Brino shows, and at that time, a fifth of Maker's Mark it cost you seven dollars and ninety nine cents in nineteen eighty three, which not not a, not a bad price. No. For Coach Ev, for Coach Evans, a twelve pack of Budweiser is going to set you back three dollars and sixty nine cents. Wow. <laughs> if, if only if only that would uh, happen. Yeah. Happen now, I, guess. I have a feeling a through a few of them got purchased too. This is probably the year that I kind of remember being in the gym for the first time and, and kind of being a part of some of these games. The next year is when I really remember the 83-84 yeah. the team, but this is probably the team that I do remember uh, watching for sure. And, uh, you know, like I said, Mike, Coach Ray had been around for a few years, and, you know, there wasn't a lot of optimism coming into the year, but you look at the team, there were there were some good athletes. Anytime you have the Grismer boys on a team and – at that time, Sean was only, I believe, a sophomore during that year. Was that right. right, Brian? Yep. So, uh, you know, you, you had some good athletes on that team already. And, you know, but, you know, playing in that conference, that was a, a pretty good conference that year. Obviously, yeah. three miles down the road, you had the 34-0 defending state champs with the whole team back that really mattered. And uh, they were loaded, of course, again. You know, looking at the over the season, I'm not going to go through every game, of course, but, you know, Red Hill – we won three of our three of our first five games, and um, which again uh, beat Carmi uh, early early in that year, um, feeling good. And I thought that was probably kind of a, an interesting thing is that uh, that was the first game Sean got to start in that game. And there was an article talking about the early and when they were asking Coach Ray who he felt the top the starting five would be. And I always like this. Coach Ray always had a lot of good uh, quotes and things like that. And he said, I don't get too worried about who's going to start the game. I'm worried about who's going to be on the floor at the end of the game. And, you know, that's probably kind of like uh, one of the things I remember him saying. And, uh, you know, but they got Sean on the floor, 22 points in that game. And David Gray um, uh, hit a big shot to tie it up at 63 against Carmine. Uh, I remember and, uh, that. You know, we ended up ended up just, just winning that game, I think, there by a couple points there at the end. Mike Ash had 12, and Doug Grismer had 16 points in that game. So I think that was, uh, you know, a, a great win, winning, you know, sitting at three and two, probably feeling pretty good about things. And then, unfortunately, only won three games, three games the rest of the year. Doug Grismer, the only player I ever played with, which would be the next year, his senior year, that preferred to wear his socks inside out. Is that a was that a good luck thing or what? Did it just feel good? I think he's, I think he's, I, I think I asked him one time and I think it just felt good. And the only reason I know that is because we had those socks with Salukis down the side, and of course yeah. when you wear them inside out, it looks oh, like sure. it's you know messed up. So, that's- and that uh, you know we're looking at Dave kind of talked about it. The cheerleaders, you know, that year I think the the cheerleading squad only had at least the varsity cheerleaders only had five people on it. And I'm looking at the pom pom squad, and I think they had about 15 people on the pom pom squad, but. That's probably one of the first pom-pom squads I definitely remember watching too, and that's something we talked about on some of our other shows. Some of oh, yeah, the teams and flashlights were out in full force in 82, 83. I'll guarantee you I paid just attention. fantastic. As an eighth grader. <laughs> so uh, you, young, you youngsters, Gary and Dave, didn't really get to appreciate Chuck Rousey, who graduated in 82 then. So Chuck nah, Rousey, nah, Berkeley, yeah. Carey, yeah. Oh, they were great. Yeah. yeah. We'll, so, they'll get their own show someday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some of the highlights of that year, and this is uh, courtesy of a few years ago, um, was that Eldon Shear put out this uh, the book called Dog Tales that kind of chronicles 
every Red Hill season through the uh, – got to go back and see which year this was. This is a fantastic book that kind of describes each season with the schedules. I think it finishes up the 2003-2004 year. And uh, I don't know if there's, these are still out there anywhere, if they're still for, for production, but just a fantastic book to look back at uh, basically 30, 30 years of uh, Red Hill basketball. And so this is, uh, is going to be a big help when we do these kinds of, uh, do these kinds of shows. Some of the highlights from that year that were noted was uh, Todd Parrott led the charge of 20 points in the season opening win over Oblong in our Thanksgiving tournament. Uh, Jimmy Medlin paced the Slukies with 17 points in the team's second straight win at the outset of the season when we beat Palestine. Then, uh, as we just mentioned, Sean scoring 22 in his first career start with a big upset over, over Carmi. It says that Mike Ash sealed the win with a couple of three throws down the end. And then we're going to get in this game as, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the, the, one of these last highlights was the regional. And uh, like I said, just a, a really interesting year. Then what's, like I said, some controversy, uh, not a very good record, really poor season, but, you know, had a big upset there at the end of the year too. Yeah. I kind of want to get into uh, a little bit, uh, one, of the, one of some of the controversy I was referring to. And, you know, sometime throughout the year, uh, it looked like about Christmas time, uh, Todd Parrott had left the team and it looked like maybe he had by some of the articles that he had quit the team for reasons unknown. And then at the, uh, the January uh, 11th game of 83, we play in Olney and uh, we lost Olney and the newspaper article. And I think journalism has changed quite a bit over the years that it really was, uh, I don't know if it's more honest or they weren't as worried about being necessarily PC back then, but, you know, it basically talked about uh, at the end of the first quarter, David Gray and Mike Ash, walked off the floor and quit during the game. Uh, Chip or Brian, do you have recollection of that occurring? I, I remember it happening, and that's about as far as I can go on that. Yeah, I knew David Gray did not finish the season, but I did not remember the. I did not remember him quitting during the game. I noticed that in the reading, I think the article was a little bit off, but the uh, – I mean, the, the headline of the article in the Benson Sun commercial, Salukis lose on final shot. We lost in the last second shot to Olney. Salukis lose on final shot. Players quit was in the headline of the, of oh, the wow. article of this game. And um, says at the end of the first quarter, two of the Red Hill players, David Gray and Mike Ash, quit the team and went to the locker room. Ash and Gray had been benched in the previous game for breaking curfew training rules and hadn't seen any playing time at Tuesday's game. I think if you do look at the box score, Mike Ash was listed in the box score, which tells me he played, but so something's not right with the article. And uh, obviously those two walking off and uh, obviously didn't play the rest of the year. Didn't hurt the team necessarily in that game. They, they hung in there with, uh, hung in there with Olney. Uh, Mike Griffith for Olney scores 20 points. Red Hills led by uh, Doug and Sean. Doug had 21, Sean, uh, Sean 14. Bobby Light is 14, Ray Payton 10, and Jimmy Medlin 6, and it has Mike Ash listed as zero. But um, So, you know, that's not something you see every day when um, two of your players uh, quit during the game, basically get up and walk off the floor and go to the locker room, and they called it called it quits. And earlier in the year, it looks like maybe that happened with Todd, too, that uh, I'm not sure what the situation was surrounding that. So, you know, as a coach, that's not something you're dealing with every day, and, uh, you know, I'm sure the, the players had their reasons, and uh, – you don't really know those maybe that's a different show at a different day too so you know one of the things throughout the year that uh having a tough year um not having a lot of success and then you know things like that kind of come to a head at, at times and and that that definitely happened that kind of uh you know kind of le leads me i'm not sure if Brian has this uh but early in january when 
Maneater was was taken over by Down Under for Men at Work took over the number one spot there in uh, the second week of January uh, 1983. So, you know, uh, if you remember anything from that year, you remember uh, February 1st, 1983, when the Indians come to town, and uh, that was the night Marty scored 62 and Red Hill scored 58. And I think that's probably one of the times uh, that maybe Brian and Chip, I don't know if Dave does, probably doesn't, but do Brian and Chip have memories of that evening when, when, it when was, basically the rock, the, the rock stars of our county and the rock, I mean. It was literally like, I mean, it was like the Beatles coming to town. I mean, it really was. Yeah. They were three miles away. You know, you'd see Marty at the bank as a teller, but it was literally like the Beatles. It was, there was an electric atmosphere. The place was, you know, obviously packed because Lawrenceville brought the whole town and Red Hill people wanted to come and watch Marty and then the year, you know, and, and the year before watch Doug and, and it was, uh, it was unbelievable. And watching Marty that night was incredible. And I, I would love possibly to talk to him sometime on this show about maybe Red Hill Lawrenceville stuff, but he came that night to set a record. And I, I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah. And I was, um, I would sit in my Brandon that night. I'd always move. I sit by my dad during the JV game, and then I'd move over and sit in Brandon's seats during the varsity game. Probably a seat for Lance or something. Lance was probably opposite with his friend, so I'd sit in their open seat they had. And um, D. Diggs was sitting behind us from Lawrenceville, and he t he told us before the eighty said Marty's going to break Scheidler's record tonight. So Brandon had a scorebook there with him, and uh, Brandon kept score the whole game. And um, so yeah, they. Marty knew he was going to do it. The fans knew he was, and uh, they made sure it happened that night. That's and kind of, a, I'm kind of ashamed to admit this as a uh, as a you know big Red Hill guy, but um, me and my friend, me and my friend John Putty may have uh, may have went over to the Lawrenceville side and started cheering for Marty. <laughs> <laughs> that, that one game, one game only. <laughs> but we, we were one, we were one of them to uh, score as many points as he could as well. So. Obviously, the game was the game was out of reach by that point. So. I, I feel you, Dave, because I remember the year that uh, was the sectional or regional at Red Hill that year. Maybe I know the sectional. Sectional would have been. Sure. I, I just remember. I'm uh, Brian. I think I remember. Dad took us. I think to the super sectional to watch Arnold that year for yep. sure. But uh, I can't remember if it was the game. Or, probably both games. But I think uh, I had a, a, a. I remember this shirt. It was a three quarters length. Indiana University T-shirt that said "Indiana, let's get physical" on it. I, have remember <laughs> I remember that, that shirt. shirt that I had, and I had a red like windbreaker. So to the Larsville games, I wore the windbreaker. And I buttoned it enough where, where you didn't know if it said Indiana or Indians. <laughs> I mean that I remember that. So I'm I'm guilty of it too, Dave. I think back then we probably all were kind of in awe of those guys. Exactly. They were, yeah. They were, I, was uh, eight, I was I was eight years old. I mean, I, I, know, I don't know any better. So. I said the same thing on the Matt McCullough episode. Who knows how many episodes I'll say this, but um, during pregame warm-ups, I mean, they had 10 guys that were dunking during warm-ups. I mean, what <laughs> yeah. class A high school team comes in with 10 guys that are dunking yeah. in warm-ups? It was well, amazing. Right. And, and think about this. You know, that that was 82-83. In 81, Vincent's Lincoln had that incredible team that won the state championship. I mean, in that in that little radius right there of Vincent's to Lawrenceville, those three basketball teams could play with anybody at the time. So pretty incredible yeah. stuff. I, I remember, you know, I just remember the regional was at Mount Carmel because I remember we went down 
and we got there early, you know, to get get a good seat. And I remember watching the Lawrenceville team get off the bus, and and Marty had on his letter jacket and a stocking cap, and I I, I thought that that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my life. So, good good stuff. The art. Chip, when this part of the article, I'm gonna I'm gonna read it. It always makes me think of you, and I'm not sure if we've shared this story. And you said I kind of in my head thought that you may be keeping score, but you said Brandon was keeping score. So did yep. Brandon have Marty for 62 or 64 that night? It seems like there was some type of like the Chicago Tribune or somebody contacted Brandon because he had like a different <laughs> what he had was different than what the scores table had or something. So fill me in on this because I remember Brandon used to tell me the story. And I don't know all the details. I don't know the story. About his- <laughs> How in the world would the Chicago Tribune know to get a hold of Brandon in 1982? <laughs> I guess something three. like a young fan keeping score behind the bench had something but uh well, it, what do you have, Jerry? that's, that's a, a great story that's a great story <laughs> we can do a whole life. show on this story so this is, uh <laughs> this is the article from the vincent sun commercial after that game it said simmons might have scored two more points depending on which scorebook was uh being used as uh reporters coaches and fans tallying an extra field goal the official yeah, scorekeeper yeah. stood by the 62 point total do we remember who our scorekeeper because that was a red hill i'm sure Brian it was gary, Don. i assume gary wells he was, Ferguson scoreboard, was right? on. yeah he is on the clock okay okay Wow. So Gary Wells those flare pins. I, I it, may have been the Sun, it may have been the Sun commercial, not the Chicago Tribune. When you're in fourth <laughs> grade, everything seems like Chicago Tribune. I think I'm going with Brandon on this. I, I've never – I, I, I don't remember this controversy, so this is this is good stuff. Yeah, yeah I, I'd love to get a whole – my guess is Mike has that scorebook somewhere. I'd love for him to try to dig that up and um, and take a look at that from that night. Okay, that, well, uh, we, we have Mike, a, we, we have some homework to do. Well, Coach Ray wasn't happy. In fact, he was pretty pissed after the game. What? It sounds like with D. Diggs' assertion that this was going to happen, maybe it was out there that this was going to happen that night, obviously. But it says, Mike Ray complimented the Indian score but lamented about where, where it had to be done. He said, Marty is an exciting player, but they could have broken that record anywhere. Obviously not pleased with the 58-point route. We lost 116 to 58 that game. I remember. There, I remember. Was there any bad blood? Was there bad blood at all going into oh, this yeah. game? Okay, I, that's. I don't. Ray said Lawrenceville's running was running up the score. They'll get their day. He first told reporters he didn't have anything to say, but then he came back and said they'll 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 have their day. Ask if ask if he has, has team had just played a state champions. Ray said, "Well, they're not state champs yet." Uh, Ray played for Felling when he was a senior at Lawrenceville and didn't shake hands after the game. I do. I, I, was obviously upset I definitely that. remember that. And I also remember one of the great sports quotes I ever heard. Um, Hype Baldwin's grandma, Jean, in, in about, I think it was about to start the fourth quarter, and, and she leaned over to Hype and I and said, I wonder if Lawrenceville just stood still if we could catch them. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> but you, you start looking at this Lawrenceville box score, and it's. It's just on Marty Simmons, 60, 62, Lee C 12, uh, Ernie Ho, Bill Anthony, Mike Shoulders, Jay Baker, Chris McKinney. Of course, everybody got in this game. Keith Frohawk, Darren Blair, Jeff Joins, you know. So it was a uh, just a star-studded team. And it was, it's we're gonna, not only a who's who of NEC basketball, but a who's who of the townhouse. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so as we kind of go through the rest of the year, you know, like I said, it ended um, – with uh, we did win the next game. We beat Fairfield 69-67. Then it reeled off uh, several more losses, and uh, 
Another interesting part of this year that, again, you don't see very often is that uh, Coach Ray, uh, before the regional, he resigned uh, before the year even ended, which, uh, again, you don't see that, that that kind of thing happening very often. And there's an article that uh, it says, no fun playing in Larksville's shadow. Red Hills Mike Ray throws in the towel. Yeah, so at some point, this, this article was uh, dated Sunday, February 20th of 83, uh, just right before the regional had gotten started. But uh, he says, you know, to be honest, I've been contemplating this for a while. I have four children. I coach nine months out of the year, and, have just, and I'm just burnt myself out. I think it's time for some rest. Now, I'm not sure how many years Mike st- uh, stayed away from coaching. I don't know if anybody has that, but obviously I think that year was a, it was a tough one. I mean, he had three players quit, six and 19. Uh, I can't imagine it was a whole lot of fun, and it was probably a really difficult, challenging year for himself and the players. Chip, any recollection of that? I remember him resigning. I remember Corey, his, his oldest son, I think I remember telling me about it, but I don't really remember, like, you know, any, um, you know, a lot more. I mean, I was, I was shocked because, I mean, he was the only Red Hill basketball coach I'd ever known of. So, yeah, yeah I was just – at this time, I'm in fourth grade, Dave's in third grade, Gary's in second grade, and Brian's in eighth grade. So, just to kind of – so, where we're at at this at this point. So, yeah, and I think if you have that Dog Tales book there, I think Ray has some quotes in there that he gave Eldon back in the 2000s kind of about leaving in some – I don't know if it's in that um, over at the side where Coach. Yeah, I'm uh, gonna. Yeah, I was gonna get okay, to that. I'm gonna okay, definitely go talk right. about that part because I think it's a it's a good part to kind of wrap up that whole season. Yeah. And some of the things that you know he had, um, Mike through the article. I mean, he was really honest in this article and you know basically said that he did decide to resign, but uh, resign, but he was gonna finish what he started, which I think kind of uh, he said uh, he said what really bothers me with today's society when people think that when things go aren't going their way, all they have to do is put their tails between their legs and run. A quitter is the last thing I want to be associated with. I can take losing as long as you lose with class, and I can take getting beat, but I hate quitters. You know, pretty uh, pretty powerful yeah. comments he had had in there. Very, um, yeah, there was, I mean, very pointed. You knew who he was talking about. Now, wait a minute. Let me clarify something. Did he resign and coach the regional, or did, what, did he resign? He did. He oh, okay, so he, he coached. coached. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so he resigned but didn't finish the season as the coach. Okay. Okay. Um. I think some of the things that uh, he talked about too, uh, the pressure. He said we we've had people here meeting in the in the community of Bridgeport uh, that expect us to measure up to these to these standards. And I feel this adds to the situation. Meaning, talking about past teams, he had mentioned the nineteen sixty team. Obviously, Lawrenceville's about to win their second, second straight, straight championship, but obviously done very well in years previous to that. Um, and it was the fir- maybe the fir- maybe it wasn't the first time, but he mentioned in this article that. There had been talk prior to that about Red Hill getting out of the NEC and that at that time that Red Hill had only a, he said, you can count the number of winning teams in basketball. You could on one hand, you can, you can, you can count the number of winning football teams you've had on one hand. So you know, obviously Red Hill in the, in the 2000, 2001 year uh, did leave the NEC to join the little Illini conference. I know something that's what coach Evans was passionate about back in those days to, yeah. so we could compete better. Now, um, so that's, the, I don't know if that had ever been brought up and anybody ever heard that, but it sounds like that was at least talk and it just never went anywhere. And that decision was made to, to stay put in the, in I, the NEC. I, I sure. can remember, you know, just, just rumblings. I don't know how far it would have, would have ever gotten, but, um, huh. it's, it's interesting because of course, you know, you're probably looking at, 
at the teams through different glasses when you're in sixth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grades. I remember those teams being so good, you know, the, the, from the Joe Kurtz, Joe Latch era through Berkeley and Chuck and Terry McAdow. And, and that's just, uh, I, I view those teams and it, it will be interesting when we go through the other years, um, the records and, and successes are not lack thereof of some of those teams because they seem really successful. So be interesting. Yeah, he goes on to say that just what it's not fair to judge this team based on the 1960 team. It's not fair to the players uh, or the coaches. Was that happening? Do you think really? I, I, I just a question. A long time I, from that. You know, it was, was a long time away from yeah. that. We'll do a whole Mike Ray episode, and and I would love to uh, at some point maybe have Coach Ray on and and really dive into this because because I'm sure he still has has those feelings and those opinions. It'd be interesting to to find out. But that that is. That would be shocking to me if they were still being compared to the 1960 team, but uh, interesting stuff for sure. And he had, he had won NEC coach of the year uh, yeah. uh, at least one time. And, you know, he had, he had success for what, for what he had. And but I think I say, you just look at this 82, 83 team. I mean, there were some studs on this basketball team and they yeah. won six games. I mean, the competition was, I mean, there were some. The awesome, NEC was really, really, really good. Was Absolutely. And, and, you know, Mike, Mike was always going to draw comparisons with, with, Ron, I mean, they, they sort of look similar. They sort of dress similar. Um, it was, it was inevitable. And that, that was a tough matchup. It was a tough draw for anybody for sure. Going against Lawrenceville at that time. Yeah. So, you know, I think he, um, had kind of an interesting exit at that point, but like I said, he decided to go ahead and, uh, finish out the season. And, uh, we finished the season with an 87 51 loss to, uh, to Mount Carmel and then we entered the, entered the regional, which, of course, you know, Lawrenceville was in the regional. They were the favorite to win it. But we were playing Hudsonville uh, first game, and they were, I think, 15-5 and five that year. Oh, wow. Coach, wow. Coaches, wow. coaches resigned. You might as well mail it in. And, and by God, they don't come out and beat Hudsonville 63-58 to 58 in that game, which huh. is probably kind of really unheard of to, to, to do that. Doug scored 28 that night, uh, played a great game beat that but unfortunately you know what's staring you down the down down when you have to beat yeah. you're playing Lawrenceville again so you know I think the inevitable happened and the, and the season was going to end for sure and uh, after a great game obviously probably the best game the Red Hill had played all year was beating Hudsonville in the first game of that and uh you know so he he left I guess you could say because no one everyone knew it was inevitable coming out and you know the next week you lose to lose to Lawrenceville in the regional championship 110 to 43 so another just just drubbing from Lawrenceville, and uh, you know, again, I don't know if those, I don't know if the the, the last five of Lawrenceville was that much better, and they, but or he kept the guys in, and you know, I don't know, I don't remember those how how that went, but it's tough to win one ten to forty three, I would think, a lot of times. So, um, you know, that kind of that kind of ended the year, but I think that from this Dogtails book, and maybe a lot of people didn't see this, and I thought it was uh, Coach Ray had got a quote in this book, and I think it was good to kind of bring it up on our podcast and. You know, because he left on bad terms. Like I said, he had three players quit. And being a coach myself back, I can only imagine the what he was dealing with with parents and things like that. And I bet he would admit that some of those things probably were some of his own doing and some, yeah. of, some of the stuff wasn't. But he said, I decided in February this would be my final year. Something that I've always regretted in 33 years of coaching is that I didn't express my appreciation to the Red Hill community like I should have. When I resigned, I thanked the people who had supported me, but I made unkind remarks to those who didn't. I never publicly apologized for that, and I should have. That was me 20 years ago. I hope that perception has changed. 
So I think kind of wrapping up, you know, that, that year, I think that's uh, uh, that particular basketball season. It was a tough one. It was a challenge for everybody, but I think, you know, he obviously had some regrets and, you know, he made, he, he made amends with, with those regrets and, you know, love him or, or, or hate him. He's one of the, he's a Red Hill legend. I don't yeah. care how you slice it. And he, he's always talked about, and he was a big part of my childhood and coaching and, um, you know, he's, uh, he's definitely Red Hill and, he, and he'll always be talked about in these podcasts for sure. And it's crazy to think about. He, he references their 33 years in coaching. He's still coaching high school basketball. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> I mean, and, and we and ran into him at 70 a, years old now, head coach at Oblong. Yeah. He's starting his second year there. Um, so we ran into him, uh, my son and his grandson were playing together in a golf tournament and, and we talked and I said, Coach, you have to be not just in Illinois, anywhere in the country, one of the few coaches that have coached in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, and 2020s. There can't be very many. I haven't thought about that one. That's wow. incredible That's... to think about wow. that. And then what he went on to do at VU with Dan Sparks and and uh which you know glory years for vu and and that was probably a really really good fit for coach and 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 now he's uh he's up there still fighting the fights in in oblong so we'd we'd love definitely like to get him on here sometime so we're we're done with basketball we're done with the career mike ray i will pick up during my segment on going forward um what do you got now gary that's really that was the end of what I had. I, I, I just ended at the end of the basketball season. So, all right, hey, let's take a uh, let's take a quick break uh, to uh, let one of our gracious sponsors have a couple of words. And if you would uh, let those sponsors know that you you heard them here on the Old School Red Hill Podcast, we'd appreciate it. We will be right back with Chip as he takes us through the spring of nineteen eighty three. Hey, when you're heading out to play golf this summer, there's no better place to do it in this area than Country Oaks Golf Club in Montgomery, Indiana. Right on Route 50 between Washington and Montgomery, there's 18 beautiful holes of golf, five sets of tees for all abilities, and if you just want to practice on the driving range, there's a credit card machine. You can just go right up there and practice at your leisure. I mean, you know you need to get better, so why not go out and practice? We'll see you at the Oaks. All right, we'll go back to uh, our 82-83 review. Uh, we're going. We're now up to the spring of 1983, and uh, that will be led by the fabulous Chip Jamerson. All right, thank you. So a little bit going on this spring. That now Gary mentioned that Tootsie uh, was released at the beginning of the year. Um, it dominated. The plaza. I don't have all the Plaza cinema statistics, but it was there pretty much through most of this. And I studied like March, April, and May, and it was at the Plaza. It was like it was a constant there. Year I went and saw it at the Plaza. Um, obviously, I know the the it's Dustin Hoffman dressed like a dressed as a woman, but I don't really remember much about. I don't. I don't. I I don't well, uh, on a twenty-one according to IMDb, uh, and it gets a seven point four rating out of ten on IMDb. A uh, budget of $21 million. opening weekend wow. did five and a half, but uh, worldwide gross is $177 million. Pretty good return so, on investment yeah, there. Yeah, that's not bad. 
Um, and for a movie that I honestly, I, I don't, I, I remember seeing Dustin Hoffman dressed like a woman. I don't know <laughs> anything about this movie. I really, yeah. I don't think I ever watched it. Michael um, Dorsey, an unsuccessful actor, disguises himself as a woman in order to get a role on a trashy hospital soap. So there you go. Good job, Michael. Big year for television. Also, there were some classics released. So, so the you know September of '82 is when all the big new shows are released, and it was it was low. Now the now the top TV shows at that time were like the drama, like the serials, the, the dramas, like soap opera drama type, with the one hour shows, Dallas, Falcon Crest, Dynasty. Those were near the top of the ratings, but um, I'll tell you what, there were some big ones released that year. Uh, Newhart, big fan of that show. Cheers, Family Ties, Silver Spoons, Staying Elsewhere. I mean, those last four I named were all from NBC. I mean, this is really where NBC starts taking over uh, television. And those were all new shows that year. Yeah. So Newhart was on CBS, but the rest of them were all NBC shows. Not that Silver Spoons did huge, great in the ratings, but um, I love the show. I I loved it. The the house with all his... All that oh, cool yeah. stuff in it. It was like my dream house. Yeah. So, um, and then um, other big movies were um, High Road to China. Spent a lot of weeks in Cinema 2 oh, wow. at the Plaza. Um, I've never seen that, but I do know, and I've got a few shout-outs in here to the class of 91. Our freshman float um, in, I guess it would have been 87, was, uh, we. the theme was movie themes. So our freshman float was high road to, and we had the word China crossed out and put victory over it, high road to victory and made like a big, made like a mountain of it. So um, that wow. that's all I know Indeed. about high road to China. And then I know a Brino fan. I don't know if I ever seen this movie, but Brino's told me several times that this is one of his favorite. I don't know one of his favorite. He enjoyed this movie. Um, Spring Break was big that spring. <laughs> oh, yeah. Are you a fan of Spring Break, Brian? I, not only was I a fan of Spring Break, it, it, it is a terrible movie, but I loved it. I went to with my <laughs> went with my cousin on on Spring Break. I was spending a week with my cousin Chris in Decatur, Illinois, and we went to see that movie. And it, it's one of those things. It wasn't a great movie. It always had kind of a special place. Gary and I just uh, rented it on demand, what, a couple or three months ago and watched it one night. Yeah, so, yeah good movie. It was horrible. It was a bad movie. <laughs> great, great soundtrack though. Some great lines. Um, I, yeah, I can't say that. But anyway, some yeah, great those, lines. And those, so those three were dominating the plaza, and they were dominating. They were like the three big of uh, that spring, the three biggest money makers that spring, also. So that's yeah. a little bit what's going on TV and movies. There you go. All right, so let's get into some sports now at Red Hill. Um, I've got, I'm just going to kind of throw some some things we might talk longer about. Some of them may not. Um, drive much conversation, and that's okay. I'm just a few things that I found when I was uh, studying those seasons. Now, one thing I liked. Um, so we, we talked about Coach Evans. He just finished his first year and um, coached all coached all three sports. Um, coached assistant basketball coach, and he was a head baseball coach. And I've always looked at Coach Evans as kind of a visionary. Thinks outside the box isn't afraid to get his hands dirty to do what's best for his program. And I don't remember this happening. I wish I would have seen it back. I probably wasn't as interested back then, but he and Doug Hardacre uh, hosted an alumni basketball game late that March as a moneymaker for the weight room, because as we've talked about before, the weight room was down in the, in the concession, concession stand. stand. Yep. 
I think we mentioned concession stand on every episode so far. So we have to make sure we get that get that in on every episode. So um, the smoke filled yes. concession stand, smoke filled concession stand at that. So. Um, so yeah, it was a it was a Thursday night, and they had like a little thing you could cut out in the Daily Record. Um, so yeah, thank you to Dick Poppy for allow you know putting you know leaving that behind the being able to put the, all these Daily Records on the internet. And so I think if you just search for Lawrence County Historical Society, um, I think you'll find it on on their website. Um, but so they had a it was the 19 it was 60 versus 64 alumni versus 65 to 69, and then it was gonna be 70 to 74 alumni versus 75 to 79. I have and then zero had, recollection that's a of this. Fantastic idea. I have, I yeah. have no <laughs> recollection of this. If they had time, they were. Play a championship game, so I don't know okay. what ended up happening. And there was like no article; I couldn't find like an article on the game or yeah. anything. But I just thought it was a neat idea. I wish it, it was. was something that they would continue. I know they've had a couple of them through the years. I remember going to one of them, but I remember um, donkey basketball. So. I don't remember this yes. though. Oh yes. wow! When was that? That was <laughs> oh, that was I the, remember several that. years. Yeah, that was, I, yeah, I, I, I went to yeah. a couple of those. Still yeah. amazes Probably me around that, this time frame, I would guess. Still amazes yeah, me that they let donkeys run around the basketball court. With yeah. <laughs> and so, I don't know how successful it was, and I don't know if they, you know, maybe they didn't even have enough that since none of us remember going to it. There were no more. Maybe the alumni game never <laughs> even happened. But at least they were trying they to tried get to alumni back. Hey. To, they raise money. They got a new weight room, so the money came from yes. somewhere. <laughs> yes. Um, so, uh, so spring. We're talking spring sports here. So we're looking at at that time. Red Hill offered boys track, girls track, and then baseball. We didn't have soft. I think we started softball maybe '88. I think maybe my freshman year was the first year of softball. So I think right, yeah. so. We we did not have softball yet. So we had those three sports, and few things from there. So our boys track team, uh, Phil Negley, um, I assume he probably coached the cross country team in the fall also. So longtime art teacher at Red Hill and then at VU um, and a well-known runner around town also. So Phil Negley coached the team. It seems our, our top point grabber that year, Jerry Worth in the shot and discus was usually placing um, fair, you know, at, at most meets. And then and then Raymond Pank, who we talked about with his, uh, uh, he was in the football box scores every week. Uh, he really, I don't think he was someone that was ex- expected big things out coming into the season, but he merged as our top sprinter in the 100 and the, and the 200. And then Danny Beard, Pat Ramirez, and Kelly Blair, they were others that I saw were prominent in events and relay events and so forth. So I don't have a lot on the track team. It didn't seem like they had a lot of, events i know i think someone was reading an article i think pank may have been close to qualifying for state but maybe just missed um state qualifying yeah no i've got i've got that on uh, i've got that coming up so there's okay yeah there's an actually an interesting thing with that so we'll we'll talk about it and then the girls track team was coached by sherry huff baker uh was the girl i had no idea that she used to be the red hill track coach um so the daughter of longtime football coach Bill Huff, and then married to Jim Baker. So Sherry Baker, in 1976 grad, Jim Baker. So the track team, um, let's see, our Melissa Sims finished third at the section on the shot put, only the top two advanced to state. She missed it by a foot. So uh, Melissa Sims was all, all, um, nearly a state qualifier, and then 
Mary Cress and Melissa Piper kind of captained the team. They were four-year, they were seniors and four-year participants. And um, Amy Holt, she was a junior that season. Had um, she was, you know, placed in as many events as you could, um, as you could put her throughout the season. They didn't, they didn't have a lot of meets though. I think, according to the paper, they may have had like five meets the whole spring. It must have been a very this, the weather must have not been great this spring. spring. But the baseball team didn't play a lot either. Um, so yeah, that's don't have a lot on the track team, but, you know, Sims was close to advancing the state. So we had some good throwers that year in Jerry Worth and, and Melissa Sims. Um, the baseball team only played 11 games. They only played nine games during the regular season and then played two in the regional. So they were, they finished four and seven, which I, uh, that's just, I, that just, that's not very many baseball games. I know at least now you're allowed. You can schedule up to 35 games. They never teams usually don't get 35 because of rainouts, but um, yeah, you I know can schedule that many. So and, and we spring didn't... of uh, spring of '83 is uh, an infamous farming year. Oh wow! Uh, so I've heard many stories about it. Very wet spring, uh, late planted a crop, then it, then it stopped. And we had the, like one of the worst droughts we've ever had. You know, we, so it tur- turned off hot and dry in June, and then and then it didn't rain the rest of the year. We've had so. a lot of people say, "Why is David King on this podcast?" Ladies and gentlemen, there's why David King's on. This. <laughs> 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 Who else would have had that information? Nobody and, heard, heard heard the story since I was a kid, though. So. There you go. <laughs> well, you know, talking about scheduling, that was one thing. I, I we. My freshman, sophomore, and I think even my junior year, and we'll have to go back and look at records later, but I remember that was one of my big things over the winter, over the spring of my junior year, was telling Bill or asking Bill and pleading with Bill, schedule more games. We have too many rainouts. You know, we need more yeah. baseball games. And in my senior year, I, it's it seems like, you know, memory's foggy, but it seems like we played a little more, so I'll have to look that up. Yeah, the, yeah, nine games in the regular season. And, and getting into this season a little bit, um, I found a good preseason article. So we've, we've, already, we've talked about the football team, the basketball team, and one quote from Coach Evans here is, because he coached, obviously, basketball, assistant basketball coach and was head football coach. Um, of the three sports, he said his baseball players were the most fundamentally sound of the three sports. I believe um, that, yeah. These kids know more fundamentals than the basketball or football teams. So of the three sports, this was the one he felt uh, where they were the most ready to compete. And, they, I, you know, four and seven doesn't, doesn't sound great, but there's some things to talk about with this. So Would you- um, we talked about Doug Grismer a lot. I mean, he was, he's a junior, and he's their ace on the pitching staff. Uh, Troy Reinhardt, uh, coming off a big wrestling season, um, second baseman shortstop. Jimmy Medlin's back out there again, third base and catcher. Uh, Sean Grisman, who really came on strong in basketball there as a sophomore, um, as catcher also. And so those were kind of the key players coming into the season. And one thing I found interesting, and if you guys need to – I'm looking at an article right now, so I'm not looking at the screen, so feel free to just cut me off if you ever want to jump in here. Um, One thing – on interseason, they actually had an NEC baseball tournament that I'd never heard of that before. So three of their games were in this NEC. So if you take away the NEC tournament and the regionals, they played five games. That's all they had the whole season. Wow, uh, that's crazy. Went, yeah, 
it looks like the NEC tournament was kind of spread out over a couple weeks, which was nice. It was like over two to three weeks. I don't know if they just played like on Fridays or Saturdays and just you kind of played the rounds on the weekends or whatever. But we were able to pitch Doug Grismer all we made it to the championship game against Salem. Probably through um, every game. And Grismer pit it Grismer pitched every game. They set it up so they had him for every game in that tournament. And we beat Lawrenceville in the first game in the quarterfinals, then beat Carmine in the semifinals. And then Grismer pitched against Salem again, and then we lost in the finals to Salem. But yeah, I never, I never remembered hearing about an NEC baseball tournament. No, it's I, interesting how they spread it out over several weekends. I, I um, don't think. Well, I, I don't remember that ever being a thing, but I could be wrong on that. We'll have to be interesting it, to look it up. Yeah, it could have been short-lived or just ending at this time. You know, and, and, and never heard of it before. And one of our show ideas we would like to do is is on the Grismer boys and 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 the, the successes that they had. But I, we've talked about it before, I'm sure, on one of these shows. Doug Grismer was such a stud, on, especially on the baseball field. He was just – he was a solid hitter. He was a solid pitcher. And if he's playing today, I guarantee you he gets signed. Guarantee it. Um, so, anyway, he, he, was, he was unbelievable. And in that quarterfinal game against Lawrenceville, we won that game 3-2. to two. It was a pitcher's duel. I'm sure you guys can guess who Jeff Trickett put on the mound for Lawrenceville uh, oh, that man. afternoon. I, yes. So it was so Doug Grismer did out duel Marty Simmons on the pitcher's mound in that quarterfinal um, game there. Was so was Mike after, Ray in attendance for that? I'd like to know. So that was, and then we ended up um, we made it to the regional semifinals and it was a heartbreaking loss. We uh, we lost to Fairfield in the semifinals. Um, you know, we 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 set it up. We won our quarterfinal game. It was set up so Grismer could pitch in the semis just to get us to the finals. And um, we were up four to three, and then they came back and tied at four four. Or as the other way around, we were down four three, tied at four four, and then in the bottom of the seventh, Fairfield uh, scored, and we won five, and we lost five to four. So um, four and seven record doesn't sound great, but you know, second place in the NEC regional semifinalist is a pretty competitive baseball team. And as, you know, as I was saying in the preseason article and it just, you just hear those names. There's a lot of baseball players, you know, a lot of good baseball players on that team. Yeah, for sure. You know, you're talking about baseball and, and coach Evans's comments. I wonder if you look down through the years, um, two completely different things, but baseball and our choral department under Mr. Clymer year in year out was probably as solid as, as anything was during those, those eighties, um, late seventies, early eighties. Yeah. And it's, um, so yeah, we'll, uh, we'll definitely get into some baseball shows, um, more as we go on here. And, and I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't mind getting to the fine arts a little bit either because it's pretty impressive. So what, you know, what Red Hill did in their, their music department, their theater department. Um, so those are my, my main points from the spring. Uh, a couple athletes were, you know, looking through these old, these old articles, they were young, but there were some signs of things to come here. In the Elks hoop shoot in the eight and nine-year-old division, Mary Martha Cunningham, fourth grader at Seed School, did finish second in the state in the Elks hoop shoot. Wow. Went on to have a great career. I mean, we, we, you know, Mandy deservedly so get, you know, you, you hear more about her and her career. Um, 
you know, Ms. Basketball scored 73 in a game and averaged 36 points a game or whatever. So, but Mary Martha had a fine career herself and really came, you know, her senior year, she's one year behind Mandy, um, kind of emerged from her shadow and had a big senior season and went on to play at the University of Illinois herself. And then we've got a new kid in town here to get some wrestling talk going here. Uh, Darby Wagner had gone to Lawrenceville, I believe, kindergarten through third grade. And fourth grade is when he moved to the Red into the Red Hill District at Petty School. And Darby was second in the state in the IKWF, I think the Illinois Kids Wrestling Federation or whatever. I assume that's probably what it stands for. So Darby um, finished well as he's just a fourth grader as well. So those are my other class of 91 shout outs I said I'd have there. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so definitely a sign of things to come. Mary Martha obviously had a huge basketball career. Um, Team-wise and as an individual, and Darby was a, a highly decorated wrestling career at Red Hill. So we're glad we've lost some athletes over the year to Lawrenceville, um, but we've gotten some good ones too. And Darby's definitely um, near the top of that list. And I'm Speaking pretty sure we we, we, talk, we talked about Pat Seed earlier. I, I, I'm pretty positive that Pat went to elementary and maybe even junior high in, at Lawrenceville. Yeah, because Brian Piper was posting some pictures of the junior high team. Um, on the old school Facebook page. And I noticed Pat wasn't in there. I, yeah. I did not realize that he used to go to school in Lawrenceville. And I noticed he wasn't on that basketball team with those other class of 85 guys in junior high. I think eighth grade he was, but so yeah. he must have. So yeah. yeah, seventh grade, he wasn't on there. So. All right, this part you're gonna listen to right now, I go into uh, David Brooks finishing his career at Navy. And when I was studying that, I started kind of going back to 1979 papers when he graduated from Lawrenceville and talk about his recruitment. So those stories kind of start mixing and it doesn't make sense with the 82, 83, but hopefully it's still entertaining for you to listen to. On there. So, and so one athlete that we, we lost to Lawrenceville, uh, David Brooks played his freshman year at Red Hill. I believe he's on that really good 76 team. I think he was a freshman on that team and then went to Lawrenceville his final three years. Um, so that spring, he, so he's the son of John and Marilyn Brooks, John Brooks, of course, longtime head coach in the seventies. Um, and then, uh, his, his wife, you know, David's mom, Marilyn was, was my sixth grade teacher. So longtime teacher in the Red Hill district. And so David, I, I don't know if people, I don't know. Like I say, I was younger than, I don't know if it got as much attention. I remember being in her sixth grade class and not realizing kind of, I never, I didn't, I, I didn't know who he was for one and realizing that we, you know, he's a division one basketball player, but he signed with the Naval Academy um, that spring. Um, he was, it was down to Murray state, Davidson, Butler, and Navy. So between those four schools, um, it kind of came down to Navy and Murray. And we, if you know, the Brooks family, you know, that part of Kentucky is very near and dear to their heart yep. and they moved there after retirement. So he's down to Murray and Navy and he liked, uh, you know, Navy's one of the top academic institutions there is. So like the academics more at Navy and, and not just went to Navy, Played there, Played well. averaged 17.2 a game, and ended his career fourth on the all-time scoring list at, at Navy. So, um, do you yeah, only played one year at Red Hill? But do yeah, I? I don't feel that is that it is a pretty good resume. I yeah. I don't feel that gets the publicity, and maybe I'm wrong, but I, I it it didn't reach my ears much. Yeah, I mean, 
yeah, he left Red Hill, but he went to Lawrenceville. It's not like he, you know, it's still the daily, daily record and the Sun commercial. It's not like he was out of the um, coverage uh, area at all. When I mean, he, I remember, I remember those years seeing it in the paper stuff at Navy, but I, it, it just doesn't seem like it was that big of a story and definitely not when he was at high school. So I don't know. Yeah. Sure. And then he, um, and so I, you want my question, you know, when you think of Navy, if you're a basketball fan, you think of David Robinson and he did miss the year yep. he graduated. David Robinson came in the next year. So they missed each other by a year um, there at Navy. Yep. So I thought that was just it. He, so he had his big signing that spring and um, otherwise, Oh, he, since I know David mentioned seeing our host, Brian Emmons mentioned. So of course, when I see one of our hosts of the podcast, I, I got to shout them out. We, you know, the big county spelling bee was that spring. Always a big <laughs> event. And not only, see, when I was in junior high, it was the 10 spellers because St. Francisville had just closed. It was the 10 spellers from Red Hill and the 10 spellers from Lawrenceville. And those yep. 20 matched up on an afternoon. Um, but this was a 30 person spelling because you not only had the 10 from Lawrenceville and the 10 or Parkview, the 10 from Red Hill, you had the 10 from St. Francisville came over. Wow. So you had 30 spellers, and one of those 30, one of the top 30 junior high spellers in the county was our own Brian Emmons. I don't know uh. what he, where he placed, but he was front and center in the team picture. So I had to give him a shout out for and, and he is very, very hopefully intelligent, it, great uh, speller. Hopefully you didn't choke like I did in the in the 88 uh, county spelling. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> pretty confident that I did. Just, I was quite the speller, but I'm pretty sure I got knocked out in early, early in that tournament. <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple other just things, just glancing through the papers. We're at the era now where it was night. I it was not IGA. It was Super Value was the grocery store in town. Oh wow, and. And 82, 83 is really when Druthers kind of hit its stride in the county. Um, so always lots of ads and so forth. So I'm sure any of you that were around then, I'm sure you enjoyed having that fast food restaurant Druthers right there. I worked there. You came in, and Brian, Brian ended up working there. Yeah. Um, and one other thing, what because I'm, you know, I'm reading these daily records. So I'm, and I see there the how much it costs to subscribe to the daily record, obviously. 37 years ago or whatever it was pretty cheap but what a for those of you that lived in town now david never would have experienced this but what a pain it was to pay for the daily record you had the paper boys had to come with this big like wallet thing full of full of tickets and then you had to and then and, and they're not like big tickets they're like little like oh yeah like I little know, couple couple inches two by like about a, wasn't it like about a half of a postage stamp? Half of a postage stamp yeah. is an excellent way to put it. You paid your money, and then they'd have to like tear off however many weeks you paid for and so forth. But just read it. It reminded <laughs> me of something I had not thought of for a while, but back then it was normal. What an I awful system. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I know the paper boys. I, I know Robert Murray. He guys, I'm sure Robert's out there listening. Bobby and Clifford um, York. Yeah, <laughs> they can definitely sympathize on this. Uh, when it was collection day, which I think was Friday, how you had to go around and figure out how much they paid and tear off the number of tickets. And, and you know that. people, so, and you know there were people that didn't have the cash were ducking them. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> give, they, give this cash to like a 12-year-old kid and they're trying to get right. <laughs> Yes. Uh, um, yeah. I really didn't get to my music though, Brian. I know you had some music ready for me, but some big songs at that time uh, during this era of the, you know, the 
the rainy spring of 83 where we couldn't get any track meets or baseball games in. But farming. Beat it, or farming. <laughs> <laughs> beat it by Michael Jackson was a monster hit that spring right after the winter, Billy Jean being a huge hit. And uh, Come On Eileen, I think Beat It actually replaced Come On Eileen number one or vice versa. And then, of course, the Cheers theme song. I I, um, I always relate that with, and I know I'm going fast through my music here, and that's okay. Um, there we go. Um, I could always remember waking, it seemed like, like, like at 7.20. I know exactly so what morning, you're going to say. It's like Waco would, and maybe they didn't. Maybe I just remember they one did. day, but it, no, sure they did. it seems like every morning at 7.20, when I was eating my breakfast, getting ready to leave for seed school, they would play the Cheers theme song. Every um, day. Every day. Um, you, yeah. And so obviously Cheers was released. I, I mentioned that with the foot with the TV shows. So big. I, the song wasn't a, it wasn't like a monster chart hit or anything, but I think it's a song that everyone's pretty familiar with. Absolutely. So yeah. So I, I think I've ran through most of my information there. The spring season. I know Brian's got a little bit of postseason action that bled into his uh, research. So I'll pass on to Brian to cover the summer of 83. Yeah, well, uh, I got the summer and obviously on a, on a high school sports show, not, not a lot of that, but you know, I can talk a little bit about sports and, and we did have a big story that came up, but first, uh, I, I kind of started my, my, uh, notes and everything at the, at the end of, of May. And we had the sports banquet, uh, spring sports banquet, um, most valuable track, um, went to Ray Pank. Who uh, who obviously had a, a strong strong season, um, award winners also uh, Troy Reinhardt who who had a great wrestling season and then and let that go into track. Uh, Melissa Sims won the most valuable girls track. Um, and we didn't talk too much about girls basketball in this episode, but uh, Melissa Sims very strong on the basketball team uh, with Janice Bushy and and uh, and and this yearbook that I was going with. Uh, wasn't my season again they didn't put any of the records or anything but um had some you know a little bit of success and obviously that will that will continue to get better and and we'll talk a lot about girls basketball and and wrestling which troy uh reinhardt did very well in pat ramirez some of those guys um but uh, uh julie ulrich um was was strong on the basketball team she got some awards um so you know a lot of good things wrapping up the season wrapping up the school year uh the big movie at the time um was return of the jedi got released and that was the number one movie from may 30th to june 18th 17.3 million in the first weekend did 30 million over the summer and then went on to you know even bigger and better things um and then as we just run through those summer movies uh superman did 13 million on that weekend and and then went back to return of the jedi and then the the great sequel to saturday night fever staying alive came out july 17th um, and then we got into jaws and then a movie came out july 31st and was number one um did eight million seven million six million as it was number one uh 22 million over those three weeks um was national lampoon's vacation which i know Nice. Gary absolutely loves. Uh, 
great Big song, um, <laughs> Holiday Road by Lindsey Buckingham that, that I just yeah. love. Top, top 10 all-time movie for me. Yeah, yeah it's uh, it, not it, top five. Yeah. It, yeah, tons of quotable scenes, quotable uh, lines. But uh, music-wise, um, in the summer of 83, I think we would have to go with this song if you were going to pick what the song of the summer was. Flashdance, um, that song uh, took over as number one on uh, May 28th, and it was on again, off again, the number one song in the nation or in the top three all the way through uh, middle July. It was it was there. Um, it, it battled this song back and forth for the number one spot by David Bowie. Let's Dance was there. Um, so a lot of good things. And then as the, as the summer kind of went on and we got in, then this song took over as the number one song. So that's what the kids were listening to throughout the throughout the summer. Um, we and did Jeff have... discussed this not too long ago. That the, Every Breath You Take, wildly underrated on my all-time list. Um, every time I hear that song, it's 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 amazing. Oh yeah, it, I, one of the all time yeah. great songs. great song. And then yeah. was it? And then when when Puffy and what was it? What's her name? Gary Faith uh, Faith Evans. Oh, yeah. Faith uh, Evans. Faith yeah, Evans. redid yeah. that for uh, yeah. for the Notorious B.I.G. Had a second yeah. life in it. Some other things um, we uh, we didn't. Oh, we didn't talk about Pat. Who was it? Uh, Chip Pat Ramirez was prom king, and. Yep. Uh, the late Becky Larison there you was go. prom queen that year. Yeah. Uh, senior Maria Price won the John Philip Sousa Band Award. Um, Ray Pank won the Senior Athlete Award. Melissa Sims, as we mentioned, got MVP of track. Uh, for graduation on May 27th, Red Hill graduated 92 people. Valedictorian was wow. uh, Jane Zwilling. And the uh, salutatorian was Rachel Butterfield. I graduated with 63. That's just a crazy number, 92. Wow. Yeah, I, and I believe I, I I need to look this up. I believe I we were eighty seven and we were right around in class of eighty seven. I feel like we were right around eighty seven. I'll have to look that up. Um, I think we were we were class of ninety two was about eighty two or so. My sister's class class ninety five got back up in the nineties again. I think it's gone down ever since then. Okay, um, as they graduated and, and handed out awards. Uh, hey. Some <laughs> some names that you'll hear you'll recognize uh, Kent Ublacker, Rachel Butterfield were most likely to succeed. Did they? I, I know I know Kent did. I, I couldn't tell you about Rachel. I don't know Rachel. If you listen to this, uh, let us know if you succeed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, most school spirit: Christy Bennett and Rodney Newell. Now, Christy, Christy, Christy. Yeah, Christy. Most people know her as Christy, Christy now. Yep. I know Bob and Christy listen. Hello to you guys. Uh, most athletic. Anybody want to guess on this? You as we've thrown these names around. Ray. Uh, gotta go. Ray Pink. Nope. He already won one though. I think he already got. He got most uh, valuable Ramir- player for track. Ramirez. Nope. Reinhardt is he? Reinhardt. Yep. Reinhardt okay. and Janice Bushy are your. Uh, most athletic. Ray Pank actually got most most artistic with Sherry Adamson. Oh, so oh, I remember that. Night, yeah, 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, Ramirez would have just been a junior because he was pro – yeah, the problem goes to the juniors. Okay, sorry about that. There you go. Sandy Piper and uh, Mark Weiss bring home best dressed. If you had bets on that, good. I hope you won. Uh, so lots of good stuff. Uh, best looking, Jim Fornshell and Kim West. Of course. David yeah, Jim Gravy. From, from my neighborhood. And then, you know, everybody Everybody always wondered who got best all around, which is like, do we still have best all around? <laughs> I don't know if we still do that or not in your book. I think they ditched. When did they, I don't, the best looking got ditched some, somewhere. I don't think that was around by the time I was in high school. Uh, as I peruse this yearbook here, uh, interesting that we just talked about him quitting basketball. Todd Parrott got most pessimistic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Along with Carol Lancaster, so cheer up, guys, on that. Um, mood. Oh, here's a here's one that I didn't think I would see. Becky Tracy and Rob Shoulders got moodiest. So hopefully you caught them on a good day. Mike Ash, Kelly Howell, most musical. Anyway, back to best all around. That went. Did, it's gonna be David Gray. Has David Gray won anything yet? <laughs> David Gray, best all around. Along with, <laughs> I was gonna say he had to win something with uh, Ju with uh, Julie Ulrich. So now uh, the, the longtime postmaster of Bridgeport there, he's the postmaster. I didn't realize that postmaster general. Holy yeah. cow. So there you go. Deb Parrott, Ta uh, Tana Brummett, who I was absolutely in love with, uh, Tana, not Deb. I like Deb. I wasn't in love with him. Um, <laughs> they got the best car. Kevin Vinsel, Kim Heath, bring home friendliest. If, uh, again, if I, you were... yeah, I think we, we're not surprised by the Kevin Vinsel friendliest after talking, you know. I think you mentioned how friendly it was on the I think I did. Episode. You're right. Yeah. I, hadn't, I hadn't even he looked at that. Did have a Trans Am, a black Trans Am? He did, yeah. Smoking oh, the I Bandit Trans Am. Absolutely. Uh, some, just a couple interesting things I found. Um, the hospital budget, the Lawrence County hospital budget for the year of 1983 got approved. $3.7 million for the entire year of the hospital. So I thought oh, that man. was... Very interesting. As they graduated, the movies over at Vincent's was Blue Thunder and Dr. Detroit. Um, but the as far as, as money goes, um, car prices. A Ford Ranger pickup truck in, uh, in the daily record for 1983 was $6,329. A conversion van would cost you $13,000. And a Ford Bronco, brand new, $12,341. Oh. bucks. Um, Lawrence County Open, some Red Hill Bridgeport guys that uh, competed in the Open. Uh, Lawrenceville guy Greg Dykus won his first uh, Lawrence County Open, and that was the first Lawrenceville person to win that since 1952, which I thought was very interesting. Uh, Steve Andrews, longtime Red Hill fan, shot a 98, a 90, and an 84 in A flight. Paul Hussey shot 81, 88 uh, to get second in B. Mike Schubert. Fired a 98-97 at him to get 14th in B. But uh, in the championship flight, Roy Dillard got 7th in championship, 78-72. Uh, our co-host's father, Lynn Jamerson, shot an 84-80 and uh, got 15th in the A flight. Dave Piper, 80-86, uh, got 17th. Teo Fabi won the pole in Indy. The Sixers uh, swept the Lakers. That was the famous Moses Malone faux-faux-faux Sixers. Uh, but getting to sports, Ray Pank qualified for the state track meet up at EIU. He won the 400 with a time of 52.44. So then I looked, well, how did he do at state? He had disqualified because he didn't show up. <laughs> so 
I'm not sure. Was it graduate? Graduation. I don't know. Day? I'm not sure what happened conf- there. Conflicts with graduation. Yeah, I don't know. I, that's something that we will have to figure out. Um, but let's see. Graduation was on the 27th. He won the. Well, I guess what would that be? The regional on the 25th. So I guess possibly. But uh, anyway, got disqualified. Didn't show up. I thought that was interesting. Something well, you don't. He played baseball too, right? I think he was yeah. on that list of yeah, players. Yeah, I think I he did. Wasn't he? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And same with Reinhardt. Reinhardt was because I think you mentioned him in track also. So um, track and baseball for him. So um, June fifteenth, uh, just a little blurb that I found that would come to be a story that we'll talk about. I'm sure sometime uh, June fifteenth, the Alberts Tennis Open over in Vincennes, and Doug Hardegger lost to Steve Sakowitz of Lawrenceville in the C division in three sets. Whoa. So there's lots of bigger things coming um, in tennis with Doug Hardacre. I'm guessing that's yeah. when he first got into it, played in the sea and got beat, but lots of big things coming. Um, to touch base on Little League that year, um, one of the great classes that went through Red Hill, Stacy Lance and, and that whole group, um, they, they won their first game. Stacy Moore pitched a great game. Um, two runs, two hits, 15 strikeouts, and the all-star win over Olney. And then they would go on to lose in the semifinals uh, to Robinson, five to three. Neil Paget took the loss in that, gave up five runs on six hits. Uh, people getting hits in that. Tro- uh, Troy Reinhardt's brother Travis, Neil Paget, and Stacy Moore all had hits in that. And if you uh, if you look up that team, there's lots and lots of, of good things to come for those guys. But the big story that summer, obviously, we talked about Mike Ray leaving Red Hill. In, uh, in, in pretty big fashion because he was a longtime coach, and, and they decided to go back with, with a coach that had coached at Red Hill in the 70s, John Brooks. Um, I thought it was interesting, before we get into that a little bit, his salary, which was printed in the paper, he got 1900 to be the head basketball coach, 1000 that they – I'm not sure why they didn't just pay him 2900 but they added another 1000 on there because he was the district basketball coordinator – and I'm not sure what happened here. He got $1,400 to be the assistant football coach, and which obviously did never pan out. So, But on the – let me look at the date here. There's a story in the Daily Record about a week before he gets hired that says Brooks returns as, as coach. And some of the quotes that I thought was interesting here talks about he had, he had, he had three years previously as Red Hill coach, compiled a 57-23 and 23 record, um, and but he he continued to be a teacher at Red Hill after he quit. Started his coaching career in 1959. Had an assistance job in Lawrenceville in '60. Um, moved to Ashton for nine years, and then became the coach at Red Hill in 1973. Total nine-year record of coaching was 175 and 72. Um, really? Yeah. And, wow. and, and during his 17 years total, he had never had a losing season. His quotes were, I was approached by the board to take over the position. I was reluctant at first. I took it because, well, I felt I had to get to someone in there to help the program. They had to get someone in there to help the program out. I was as good a choice as anyone, I guess. I thought that was, that was interesting. It doesn't, you know, the, the confidence and the excitement isn't exactly coming through. According to Brooks, the school board has a different attitude towards me. I get to run my own program the way I want. Brooks will be in charge of the total program from 5th through the 12th grades. Never happened. I feel that Red Hill basketball can be competitive in this conference. Never happened. 
We've been there before. One of the main reasons I agreed to take the job was the kids asked me if I would. I've realized that I've been out of it for seven years, but I've stayed in touch with it. I have a son, Dave, who was the leading scorer at Navy, so I stay on top of it. I will have a summer program for the kids as I get it organized. Never happened. This year, we'll have the program for high school students, but next year, provided I will have a program set up for kids 5th through the 12th, that did not happen. We've got a good team coming back. We'll have height and experience. One of the major things we'll have is, is uh, the attitude of the community and then talked about who his assistants were going to be. A week later, the story in the paper says the unit coach Brooks officially hired. Then it talks about that they had, uh, they had a meeting, lists his salary. Then there was a little bit of controversy. Before the executive session, board member Donovan Paddock questioned whether Brooks had already been hired by the district. Paddock, who was absent from the last board meeting, said from what he read in the newspaper, he was given the impression that Brooks was already hired. Well, obviously he hadn't been. Jerry Devonshire then said, what you're reading is a conversation between Brooks and the press. So John had already told the paper, or the paper got word, and he confirmed that he was going to be the coach before he was actually hired. Uh, Devonshire went on to say that, that they had made an offer to John. Um, the board agreed with Brooks on the following suggestions. Coordinating a basketball program for 5 through 12. I've already talked that that, that did, did not happen. Providing enough uniforms for players so they will all have a uniform. I thought that was very interesting because when I went through elementary and junior high, we had uniforms. Um, but what that was an interesting thing. I thought, was it up to him to pay for these uniforms? Or seemed like an odd thing to put on the head basketball coach. Uh, practicing only when legally allowed and not on Sunday. So I, I, my point is, I think some of these points are, are pointing at Mike Ray over the previous administration. So yeah. an interesting thing we can dive into uh, that we're going to work on. And this did happen and, and ended up being a great thing. I know, especially for football having an eighth-hour eighth PE class for Brooks to teach and allow athletes to be in the eighth-hour class when possible, which got them to practice earlier. That was a good thing, providing a student-teacher to, co to, student to coach with Brooks. Um, that may have happened later. I don't know. Brooks will be called. I think, I think uh, Greg Dykus came, you know, the, the, the champion of the yeah, Brooks County. Yeah, I don't Open. remember. I Greg Dykus came over as a student-teacher. I remember him teaching. So. I don't remember him helping with basketball, but maybe he did. Uh, Brooks will not be athletic director. He will be called in front of the board if his performance is unacceptable. School facilities may be used for sports camps. Never did any of that. Brooks also suggested rules for the program. You have to sign something dazed and confused style. Um, <laughs> I, I might play ball, but I will never sign that. Randall Pink Floyd. Anyway, uh, and, and then they also, in that meeting, they hired uh, Dennis Bowser as boys basketball coach for the K-5th and 6th. Wow. And interestingly, David Reed, board member, voted against hiring Bowser. So a little bit of, little bit of weird things. I think uh, John did an interview with the paper prior to getting hired. There was some controversy, obviously, on the board about it. Um, as a, a player that lived through that era, I love John Brooks as a person. Um, he was very, very good to me. Um, it was a complete and utter disaster. Um, his, his basketball coaching career, that second round, he we did make uh, my freshman year, so it would have been the next season uh, or this, his first season. No, I'm sorry. 
was my sophomore year. So uh, two years, we did end up getting to the regional final. Had a little nice little run there um, when when some of the guys came back out for basketball. But what was promised there did not happen, unfortunately, for for a variety of reasons. And uh, so it was interesting to go back and read all that because, uh, like I said, it was it was it was difficult. Diff, uh, difficult time in red hill basketball history those three years that he was at red hill um and i don't know guys in the stands if you had any memories about that era um I'll, not anything you know not that deep but that, no. but that coincides with your career then you played three years of high school basketball and you were there the three years that coach brooks was the coach yep. so he was i mean your guys' careers matched each other there and and when we go into those seasons we can talk more about it but i'll just tell you my freshman year I had no business playing varsity basketball and ended up starting the last half of the season because of a mutiny and, and, and tons of players quit. We were completely and utterly disorganized. We had no plan. We had no game plan. Um, the offense that he put in was the flex, and we only ran the most basic of, of sets off the flex. And that was quickly identified by their coaches and exploited. Um, it got to where by the end of seasons, we weren't even having practice. I mean, we'd, we'd go in scrimmage for 15, 20 minutes and bail. I mean, it, again, we can, we can do, we can do a basketball episode on this era, but it was, I mean, to the point parents were coming into the locker room after games, screaming, getting kicked out. Um, John was, he was, he was, and I don't know how old John was here at the time. He seemed old, um, and I don't want to kick. I don't want to kick dirt on it, but facts are facts. That was just it was it was a it was a very very unfortunate difficult time in in Red Hill basketball history. Those three years he was there. Um, great guy, but not uh, not exactly in the prime of his coaching career at the time. But uh, I think that's about all I've got to to sum up the eighty two eighty three school year and and season um, overall. What you guys what you guys think of of what we heard? I thought it was interesting just to be able to having very vague memories of that to go back and read some of these articles. And like I said, it it wasn't boring that year. I mean, it was definitely not boring at all, at least for the basketball season. And, uh, you know, it was just, it it was fun going back and starting to relive some of that stuff. For me, just uh, this season, I, you know, as a kid, as a third grader, I hadn't really gotten to Red Hill sports much. I would have went to a couple games this year, but really didn't start going to games every, you know, every Friday until right. probably the next season. Yeah. But seeing guys that I remember playing basically as yeah, yeah, a little, a little bit younger. Yeah. Yeah. I love this era. I know we didn't have a lot of success in these seasons, but there's some success and some sports coming, coming soon. Um, but, you know, as, as a 10 year old at that time, that was really, I'd been going to games for four or five years, but you really start kind of getting it a little more and understanding a little more and, and actually, you know, reading the articles in the paper and the box scores and listening to Waco, all that kind of makes sense a little more as you get a little bit older. So yeah, yeah, I I love this era and a lot of great personalities, um, great people, great stories. So it it was fun going back and doing the research. Yeah. I only researched the spring. So it was fun listening to everything you guys research in the other nine months of the year yeah exactly and 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 we there's a couple sports we didn't touch on much uh, girls basketball which we will we'll definitely get into that as years go on and and honestly none of us well dave wrestled 
but um, none of us knew that really much about the idea. the wrestling <laughs> of, of that but era. Yeah. And so when when we you know hopefully sometime can get Coach Huber, Coach Drury on on the show, and we'll dive into those wrestling teams, and and they'll be able to provide a lot better information than what we can. Just kind of what you were saying. I was just gonna let our listeners know that we'll we'll have some shows coming up where we really the whole, whole the entire focus is wrestling, where that's whether that's interviewing. Darby and or Jimmy Worth and and those guys or Coach Huber and Coach Drury, Bill Rinker, we'll definitely have some shows dedicated to wrestling coming yeah. up. Yeah, had some great some great wrestling programs. So that is our first foray into uh, a school year, and again, uh, we're going to be able to do this. This this format's going to allow us to to do this just a little bit more, and uh, we're going to get regular shows out at least every couple of weeks uh, with with this new framework and the assistance we've got um, from the from the newspaper. So stay tuned to the Facebook page. We'll let you know when next one are coming and, and the topics we're going to have and some guests we're going to have on. So until then, we are Red Hill. Yeah.